0: Hi, we are the Goodship Illustration and we run online courses to help illustrators and image
1: makers navigate a creative career. We are Tanya, Katie and Helen. We have about 70 years experience between us, each of us working in a different area of illustration. Welcome to Message in a Bottle, our new podcast
2: answering your questions. You can send your messages to goodshipillo at
1: gmail.com and title it Message in a Bottle so we know what it's about. This week, we've had some really good questions about folios. And the first one is what to include in your folio. What are the best ways to present your work, as in which physical support for it? By which I think they mean what kind of physical portfolio? Yeah. What do you think of that? Well,
2: when I first read this, I was like, the 90s cold. They want their portfolios back. Um, yeah, I feel like having a physical portfolio now especially so I I graduated in 2012 and it was definitely on that it was on the way out having a physical portfolio but we had one just because that's what they'd always done um but yeah nowadays I'd say you don't I I would say you don't need a physical
1: portfolio of printed out work I agree Uh, back in the 90s when I started out and you Tanya we would lug in folios around because there was no internet was there but now I don't have a folio I I would never take a folio out people can look at your website for it can't they?
0: I think also, given the the knotty question of fees, they haven't gone up a lot in the last 20 or 25 years. You can't afford to lose a day wandering around a city with a portfolio. So you've got to make your marketing work as easily as possible. And a website would be that. I mean, it is quite good to have one if you want to go and meet people. And certain, I don't know, in certain countries, it may still be normal
1: to do that. And it is a nice way if you're quite sociable to go and chat with people. But yeah, get a website. I always go and chat with people because when you write and illustrate children's books, your relationship with them is really long-term. So I have relationships with publishers that have lasted 20 years. So I definitely want to go meet them and a few times and have a chat. But they know my work. They'll have seen it on my website. They'll have seen my books. I never go to that meeting with a physical portfolio. It's just to see if we think we're going to Have good chats, we're gonna have nice times, we're gonna work together and it's gonna be happy.
0: Yeah. There could be a revival for the portfolio though. Now that it's kind of unused, another way to bring it back would be the VIP trip. So say you were going to New York for a week and you thought, I actually want to meet some art directors, you could call them up and they'd be like, How novel,
2: how terribly (laughs) retro. Extra special. Yeah, they're gonna
0: pop in with a portfolio. But that could work as a kind of um, unique occasional way but on the whole you know save your time and get a website yeah mm.
2: that's reminded me as well some I've seen other illustrators on Instagram and things sending out lovely mailers like or like fancy postcards I don't know Helen you sent postcards
1: yeah I did in the early days I used to have postcards printed I worked part-time in the science museum I'd go home after work I'd get a pile of postcards I would get the writers and artists yearbook, get all the addresses and send them out in batches. And actually it was really useful because then um, they'd stick it above their desk, on the mm. wall above their desk. And sometimes five or 10 years later, somebody would ring me up with a job because they'd kept this postcard above their desk. So I think that's that's nice because if you get something nice printed on paper, mm. if it's really lovely, you're going to keep it, yeah. stick it on your wall.
0: It breaks through as well, doesn't yeah. it? It breaks through the, that kind of ephemeral email world where nothing is real and if you're an art director who loves beautiful visual things you'll definitely be doing the filtering picking out the best visual stuff and sticking it on your wall I remember people saying that they had seen a postcard of mine in other people's offices so if you're in you know even in a shared area people walking through mm. and they enjoy all that decoration on someone's desk like, whether it's a, a junior designer or something you're still on show to a variety of designers in an advertising agency or in a publishing house so definitely postcards or printing mm. things
2: yeah i think that's a good compromise isn't it between having a physical portfolio and like if you know who you want to work for the kind of people you want to work for send them something but you don't necessarily have to lug this giant A1 one exactly
1: because mm-hmm. if you post them something then they're going to look at your website and that's where your folio is yeah. that's can... where you present your absolutely exactly. favorite best work yes um, so, yeah, the, the postcard or the nice bit of printed ephemera is going to point them at your website.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the lead-in. Yeah. The other thing people used to do was print calendars, you know, not those naff ones from oh, yeah. a kind of, uh, you know... Yeah, you could do a risograph
1: calendar. That would be amazing, wouldn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, because then you're mm. on their desk oh, for yeah. 12 months mm. with 12 great pictures. Yeah. yeah. So that's it.
1: Yeah. yeah. So there's another question to do with folios as well, which goes... I've heard so much advice about what art to show in my website. Um, Right now, I've put up the art I love to make. I don't have any big scenes. Is that necessary? I guess they mean by big scenes like... um, Full backgrounds. Full backgrounds, like pull out and you can see a whole street or a whole room or a whole world, I guess.
0: I, I think that sounds like a picture book illustrator. Or maybe a sequential one to think in terms of scenes like the big one. I know
1: in the world of picture books, publishers do like to see that you can do a background. That doesn't mean a very realistic, detailed, everything is in their background. Even if your work is very simple and you just have a horizon line and a tree, that is a background. But I I think in picture books, that is important.
0: You talk about that in um, the picture book course there's mm. one whole module about dealing with scenes isn't mm. it?
1: yeah there like, is yeah because people tackle it in such different ways sometimes people like um uh, satoshi kitamara will do a really really brilliant wonky perspective detailed background and then uh who else i'm thinking wolf Elbrook might do something really really simple where you just have a torn piece of turquoise paper which represents say the wallpaper in the background and the character is in front of it so there's loads of different ways to tackle it but you definitely do need to show backgrounds if you want to do picture books
2: and if you're not a picture book illustrator and you're thinking about putting stuff in your portfolio I would say just put in the work you want to do more of because when Mm. potential clients potential publishers whatever see that you've done something, they're like, that's what you do. They don't know any better. They don't know that you hated it and it was like pulling teeth to create this artwork. (laughs) So make your life as easy as possible and just put the work in there that is fun, easy for you, feels good, you like it. It's true.
0: I mean, this is, developing this career is about building a long-term life for yourself that you enjoy. And too early on, I mean, too often in the early days, in an effort to please, we're like, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Just say, I'll draw anything. And that's going to give you so much heartache and exhaustion, and what Katie says is, is quite right. Just do what you love to do, and be narrow. You don't have to be everything to everybody, and to be able to draw everything and work in different styles and um, different approaches. If you follow your nose and do what you love, you'll start to hone down a strong identity for yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you focus on your strengths, you become like a rocket yeah you just... if you put a piece of work in that folio that you don't like yeah. you're guaranteed that that's <laughs> yes. the one people yeah. want you to do again and again sort of law, yeah. Yeah. yeah every time
0: that was like the first thing i heard from one of our tutors who came back strange it was she was this was fine art but she i remember her saying yeah when i went out there she must have done an illustration and she said if you do four or five versions of something and you include two that you think they'll like but you don't like she said that's exactly what happened it was the first yeah. bit of a, a best bit of advice and it came from a fine artist mm. it, was always, it does make you wonder though why do they commission you if your best taste is rejected mm. and your worst pictures are picked up that bit always makes me worry yeah but you know you're with a good kind of you've got a good relationship with an art director if they pick up your best pieces but if
1: if you're offering them a few different versions and there are ones you don't like You're not holding yourself up as the advisor. So before Mm. you show them the stuff, you need to know what you love. And then you can say, I like these three pieces and these are good for these reasons. It's like the power's the wrong way around. If you say, have a look at this work I really don't like, but your opinion might be more important than mine. That's so true. And that's Mm. good life advice. Like Mm. never offer something that you don't actually want to give. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because if you're like, oh, I can do this. And they're like, oh, cool. And you're like, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, why did I say that?
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Applies to portfolios too. So there's another question coming about folios which goes: besides the usual stuff like setting up your folio to the target market, what does your cover letter look like? How do you show experience? How do you reach out to prospective employers? This is
2: a brilliant question. Yeah.
1: And I think, I think the idea of a cover letter—that's for
2: traditional job getting. A cover Hmm. letter makes sense. Like, I would like this job because I'll be really good at it. But in, I think, all of our experience... I've never written a cover letter. Yeah, cover letters are not a thing. No. The closest thing to a cover letter may be be your about page on your website, just where you show that you're a normal human being who's going to be reliable, can draw the pictures. Well, not even a normal human being. A reliable (laughs) human being. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to be normal.
0: (laughs) And show a photo as well. That's important. It's It's always nice. It makes people connect.
1: I think you've got to, like, your folio on your website is like a party and you're inviting people into who you are. Yay. So the idea that you're going to approach one person at a time with a covering letter is just, it's laborious. It would take too long. Yeah. You're better to have your website looking amazing and then use your social media to point people at your website and you're inviting people to you. So it's those people who should be writing emails to you and not you. But there is an exception to this rule, which would be if you're approaching an agent,
0: or um, Mm. even the small stuff like LinkedIn. If you're connecting with someone and you don't just want to send them an an anonymous LinkedIn without a note, you do have that kind of maybe two sentence thing. I'm an illustrator who really enjoyed looking at the work that your company produces, that kind of thing. Could we connect? Or if you're going to an agent, you do need to write a kind of basic covering letter explaining, outlining what you do. Always mention why you're approaching that agent, why you think you're a good fit. And it, shouldn't be because you look like everyone else in their stable because they don't want any repeats or you know they don't want to double up so you you've got to describe why why you're different yet you appeal you're attracted to that agency so i mean those are quite simple to do just reference what they have in there on their website quite often it's reading what people say about themselves and repeat it back to them a little Mm. bit in your letter
2: Mm. yeah they also said how do you show experience and it's a tricky one, especially if you're starting out. You might not have any clients or names or logos or whatever. But experience is just showing that you can do the work, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, So if you've got your your best work, it's like inviting somebody to your house after you've hoovered and cleaned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, You can show them all the nice things.
1: Also, if you have experience but you don't like the projects you did, um, mm-hmm. you don't need to show those projects. You can have a list of clients and you just add that client onto that list. But you don't, don't have to the show the work that you're not happy with that's katie on your idea. website you use people's logos along the bottom of your website don't yes, you which is really a good idea. good idea and they have to because
2: so much of it's top mm. secret nda mm. like do not tell anybody because like strategy company numbers and stuff so yeah just say like here's all the glamorous people and here's some of the work that i'm allowed to show it gives you the general idea of what i'm going to do for you do you have to ask their permission
0: to use those logos um no you do, so you find the logos and you do, cause that's actually something I was thinking about doing for my site.
2: Yeah, you should. I mean, it shows credibility, shows that somebody's hired you for a big job.
0: And it's much quicker, isn't it? someone you, The instant recognition of a logo rather than reading a client list yeah. is yeah. much more immediate.
2: I mean, on, on my website, it's like the first thing you see is my face and my work's behind my face. And then the next thing you see is all these logos that you've heard of, probably. Um, and then mm. the next thing is like get to know me a little bit. Because its I think, especially on the internet, we're so we're in a rush everyone's got mm. like so if you think about what's above the fold like what's the first thing people are going to see when they click on your website that's like the very first impression so i've been on some people's websites where it's like click to enter and i'm like oh you've lost me already Like yeah. i don't yeah. have time
1: for this <laughs> like, i was talking to publishers about that recently when i was making the picture book course in some of those interviews that we did and i was saying you know where do you find people and they were saying Um, Instagram they look for picture book illustrators on Instagram they like it if their feed has lots of examples of their work they like to see the behind the scenes stuff but not too they don't Mm want to see 20 pictures of the dog and then one illustration they want to see you know five illustrations and then their desk and the paints they use and then the dog and then more illustration but um, what was I going to say about websites in that context oh yeah that what you were saying Katie they don't want to have to click through um here's my picture book illustration and here's my whatever illustration here's my whatever illustration it makes it difficult to find what they're looking for it needs to be really simple be immediate. get your yeah. best
0: images right mm. up in front of them from the get-go i mean a, a good landing page with your best illustrations mm. but also she was talking about experience
1: mm.
0: illustration is quite a forgiving industry because a lot of um creative directors will look at websites and if they see your work and you can maintain a, a consistency across your work and you're not trying out loads of styles so they don't know what they're going to get, if they can, you may not have a huge amount of ex- experience, but if you've got a strong visual identity and it's maintained, they're not bothered that you have experience or not. If anything, they want to pick up on young, fresh illustrators, especially for kind of digital projects and new markets. They're looking for really edgy illustration. So, some kind of vulnerability or I can't think of the word that naivety and in that yourself. freshness
1: mm. is really attractive it's like fresh blood for mm. vampire creative directors <laughs> yes um and there's another question that's come in about folios as well do you have any tips for people who enjoy making art in many different themes is it better to narrow down and focus on one or two things if yes how can we really find out what the theme is in our work work. Mm.
2: so the best answer to this is it depends (laughs) (laughs) it depends what your goals are like
1: what you are trying to achieve because
2: you can do yeah like you're a human being with free will do whatever you want but if you would like people to know you for doing something
1: Mm. if you don't know what your themes are the things that interest you the things that you want to draw we really really dig into that in our freak flag course don't we about how to really discover what are the things that you come back to again and again and again in your life and that is what makes you you and that's what makes your work stand out. And it makes you have a much better time in your career if you're yeah. doing stuff that's
2: fun and easy for you and that you love doing. Yeah,
0: we develop developed some strategies to do that because it sounds easy, but it is quite hard to look at yourself um, objectively and, yeah. and figure out who you are because part of you, especially new illustrators are panicking, thinking, oh, I can't be important. It doesn't matter who I am. I just need to know what the market needs me to do. What's the trends? What's
2: happening right now?
0: That's exactly it. That's why we started Freak Flag, because you've got to ignore the trends. The trends are oversaturated. There's too many people doing it. And that's why we have these kind of huge turnovers of identities in subject matter and styling. And if you join into those, if you join those trends, you'll be kind of thrown by the wayside as they change. So it's a really valid question to say, Mm. how do I
1: narrow these things down? I mean it- you can have two different types of websites um folios as well can't you you can have one where you've narrowed it down to the things you're obsessed with or you might be the kind of illustrator who likes to do a bit of everything like cars houses children dogs like, like they might yeah. have a tick list and do them all and they love it but I'm definitely not that person like I start with a feeling about something mm. um I feel I might want to draw this and I really do not want to draw that. <laughs> so it de- It really depends, doesn't it? It's up to you. You present what you are. Yeah. And there's so many different markets for it. Mm. So for people who um,
0: have a great technical ability to draw almost anything, then there's certain sectors of the educational market that are great for that, that need all these c- scenarios drawn and um, typical everyday subject matter. But if you want to be... A, an illustrator with a very strong identity who works within advertising or design or children's books you've just got to find out what you're drawn to and what really rocks your boat really
2: mm. and it can feel scary doing that because you feel like i love all these things and there's all these mm. strings to my bowl and i want everyone to know about them and like in the course obviously getting support with that is really helpful because you're not killing off all the other things all those other things still exist it's just you're being more You've got more clarity in what you're presenting Mm. in your folio, which is what a folio is all about, isn't it? It's like Mm. a presentation of your work on on your website.
0: You start to prioritize, don't you? And you know, in terms of colour, methods of visualising things. You know, your your identity could be purely your weird way of imagining things. It might not be about the drawing or about the colour that you use. It could be just got a really crazy psychedelic approach to stuff (laughs) and you can't draw cars you can only draw dragons (laughs) you know you almost need someone else to tell you who you are perhaps you could talk to uh close friends or people who appreciate what you do and ask them to describe your strengths back to you so you can start to get some sense of who you are and then focus on that
1: I, I find it really useful looking at other people's work and I don't mean by that look at other people's work and copy it what I mean is like I look at the books I was really drawn to that I've always been drawn to and what are the themes in there and I've realized that I really like books that are full of warmth and feeling like warmth and heart and truth and so when you realize when you work out that's what you're drawn to then you know what kind of illustrator you are yes what well, ticks the boxes in your brain yeah it's the little light bulb
2: scores.
0: yeah but you're also an author so you have control over that content which mm. is really interesting i think that's a privilege that a lot of other illustrators don't have because as we were talking about earlier that kind of divide in the market katie and um and i were saying well we're more like a service industry you give us a brief and we draw to it whereas you're the creator of the content mm. and the image so a lot of your love of truth and feeling and honesty it must come through the story that you're able to write. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's good because I write my own brief. Yeah. 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 It's a totally different way of working, isn't
2: it? Even the relationship length, like, because you always talk about having these long relationships with yeah. publishers and things, but...
1: They go on for years and years and years yeah. and years and years so you you two have quite a quick turnover. You, which date? You? Which <laughs> date? That's what it is. I'm a serial dater. But you date do her. have some long-term clients who come back again and again. Well, yeah do, yeah. yeah some people come oh. back year after year and that's
2: really nice mm. but for the most part it's like mm. we've got an event next week can you do it and i'm like yes and they're like thank you and then i do the work <laughs> kind of like, that was brilliant here's some money And then, you know the next person comes in you can't really mm. fall in love with each person it's no mm. time
0: i i used to work for a, um, a newspaper in hong kong the south china morning post and um i had a regular weekly sl- slot there Sometimes I'd do two to three different illustrations in different parts of the Sunday magazine. And then one day they invited me to the Christmas party and I was like, oh no, real people (laughs) who work in that office together. And I'm the one, they don't know what I look like. I know the art director. But I don't know anyone else, and I'm illustrating for their features. It was the strangest experience. (laughs) We're supposed to know each other. You've worked for us for three years, and no one knows what you look like. (laughs) So that side of it, editorial illustration is quite weird because you're often doing fast one-week turnarounds for different art directors, and those art directors move move positions. They either take you to their their new publications with them, or you just work for a lot of different ones. And it can be quite cold, can't it?
2: Yeah, a little bit. You're not I building relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I <was> like, Bye. <laughs> no remorse. But the, the more we do this, the
0: more I look at children's book illustration and think what an incredible area it is. You yeah. know, you have full control over the creative content, the visual, the story. It's really fascinating. We were saying before how when you're on your own being an illustrator, you think this is illustration. What I do defines illustration but when the three of us got together and talked about how our creative careers are completely different that's a totally different interpretation it is it's so
1: interesting when we've been making the courses is not it because when we were talking about folios tanya i can remember you saying we should write a list of what people need in a folio and i was like no (laughs) why would you do that so we all just have completely different i'm um, just like only show the things you will do (laughs) nothing else yeah it's really interesting that's why we wanted to make the good ship isn't it because We'd meet up for coffee and we'd all chat about what we do and realise that we all had a massive amount of information we could share. And it was new to all of us, even though we're all illustrators. It was all new and interesting. It's like the tip of the iceberg is that we
2: all draw pictures. Yes. And then below that, everything's different. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) totally. Like, you know,
1: people
0: would send me questions or ex-students would say, uh, what do they pay for a children's book or how do i get an agent and mm. i think i have no idea i have to ask Callum mm. about this mm. they are very complex and different worlds mm. um but they have a, it, it's interesting looking at them to you know in unison in this particular situation but also the british experience and the american experience and the asian experience are all completely different as well because when i taught at um, savannah college of art and design we had a lot of students from the Philippines. And what you could say was true about pricing or expectations in Hong Kong or in London wasn't true if they went back to Manila, Manila, where the pay would be a lot less. You'd have to be a lot more able to produce a variety of different illustrations if you wanted um, an income that sustained you as an Mm. illustrator. Some of the luxuries of saying, oh, I'm just a kind of digital illustrator, or I'm just this, I'm just that, didn't work within that economic framework. So every time I thought I'd figured out an answer, I would find another (laughs) layer of complexity that meant that wasn't true for Mm. that set of illustrators.
2: Mm. It's true for all of it, really, isn't it? Everything's like, it depends.
0: (laughs) It depends. But now now we have the global world and you're working all over the world digitally, live illustration. Maybe these things will be ironed out and you won't have to have kind of areas where it's barely possible to make a living because the, the fees are so low. If you have access to... Our global market you know it's, yeah. things start to balance out a bit
2: more definitely and having that many people able to get in touch with you means you say no to well, so many people say no or you say no to so many people but there's still a handful of really juicy Jobs that go ahead.
0: Yeah. Mm. So
2: it's all right. And mm. it wasn't like that in the 90s. Mm-hmm.
1: Dinosaur
0: era was if you blotted your copybook in London, without, it, it, you're done for, you'll never work in this city again.
1: <laughs> well, that's a really high note to end. Really. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the, the questions about folio are answered with it depends. Yeah. <laughs> we hope that was helpful. <laughs> so we're
0: going to finish on this one and start a, a new message in the bottle for our next podcast got lots of good questions to uh, to answer
2: yeah so send your message in a bottle in and if you'd like to learn more about the good ship you can go to www.thegoodshipillustration.com. um and we also hang out on instagram we're at the goodship illustration uh, and yeah we'll see you later Brilliant. bye bye bye